Well, I want to speak a message tonight uh, I've called Speak Up. It would say Speak Up. Speak Up. And I wonder, have you ever given up on something before you even started? Anyone? Wow, a lot of people. I'm with my people, you know. Anyone, anyone ever played like a team sport in school? Okay, where are all the athletes? Where are all the people who play team sport but you're not an athlete? Come on. Okay, you know, you know those moments in school when, when the two captains had to pick their teams? Yeah, I can hear some voices of people that were left as the last. <laughs> we feel your pain. But you know those moments when like, it's like you pick the best and then you pick the best and then you pick the best and then you pick the best. And then they pick the teams and you look back and you, real, you ask yourself, like, ha- like what happened? <laughs> because you look at their team and it's like they're all like super athletes. I mean, they've already got uniforms. It's like, how did that happen? The information, it's like diamond and, you know, they, they've got code names and nicknames and like, they're already talking tactics. You look at your team. One person's already injured. We haven't even started yet. Two people are fighting. You know, you look at yourself and you're like, I mean, it's just, it's one big mess. And, and, you, and it's so easy in those moments when you feel overwhelmed to throw your confidence away and just give up. The Bible actually says in Hebrews 10 verse 35, it says, So do not throw away your confidence because it will be richly rewarded. It's interesting because it doesn't say, watch out that no one steals your confidence. It doesn't say, watch out that someone doesn't break your confidence. It doesn't say someone will corrupt your confidence. No, it says, do not throw away your confidence. The Bible says that the, the sole responsibility of your confidence is on you. We, we say things like, oh, I went through this season and it, it, it robbed me of my confidence or I, I have some failed investments or businesses so I don't really have any confidence because of that or, you know, I, I don't have no luck in love and so I have no confidence in that area. But really, it's none of those situations' fault. That might have been the circumstances, the moment that you threw away your confidence but the responsibility of your confidence is only yours. We have a responsibility to hold on to it and to speak out of that. When Moses was uh, taking the Israelites through the desert, you know the, the story. We have Moses, Mariah Carey, and everyone else walking through uh, the, the wilderness. And they're on the way to, to Israel. And, and when they got to the border of Israel... The Bible says that Moses sent 12 spies into the land. And the 12 spies went in. And it's interesting because 12 spies went in, but they came back with very different reports of what the land was like. We read about it in Numbers 13. It says they came back to Moses and his right-hand guy Aaron and the whole Israelite community. They were all gathered singing, There can be miracles when you believe, when you believe. Our hope is strong and hard to fail, hard to fail. Who knows what? Uh, I I thought someone was going for it. Hey, Luke, sign me up. It's a new, that's, it's our third creative pastor. This, surely this is my chance. I mean, we ship him out. I said, no, you don't want to sign me up? Thank you. Next. <laughs> Sorry, third service. There they reported to them and the whole assembly, and they showed them the fruit of the land. 
they gave Moses this account. They said, we went into the land to which you sent us. And it does flow with milk and honey. Here's the fruit. But the people who lived there, they are powerful. The cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of the, and all these different, um, what's it called, giants. And the Canaanites lived there near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb, Joshua and Caleb are the other two. They silenced the people before Moses. And they said, we should go up and take possession of the land. Because we can certainly do it. Those of you that have grown up in Danish Fikirke Church, you remember a song called Summon Bibles, Gave in Land. That's when we really knew how to write songs. But the man who had gone up with them said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than us. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land that they had explored. They said, The land we explored, it eats up, it devours those who live in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw, and then again, all these giants. And then listen to this verse, or this line. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. That night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. Like, what happened? You sent 12 people into the same country, and they came back with crazy different reports. I mean, 10 of them are like, this is a no-go, and two of them are like, let's go. I mean, it's complete different reports. They looked at the same thing, but saw two different things. You know, in the Bible, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it encourages us to fix our eyes on Jesus. And really what that means, is means to anchor your faith onto Jesus. Sometimes when we talk about faith, People that can have an idea when we talk about Christians or religious people or people like you and me. They might think like, oh yeah, you guys, you're just all happy clappy and kind of like don't face facts. You kind of ignore reality and just look at Jesus. But that's not really true. Faith is not about ignoring reality. Faith is about recognizing a greater reality. Faith doesn't say that I'm not sick. Faith doesn't say, I, I, you know, I can see, you know, there's no money in the account, but I'm like, well, by faith I have money. You know, no, if there's no money, there's no money. But it's recognizing there is a greater reality at play, that I will do what I can. I'll be faithful. I'll be a good steward. I will do everything I can and I know how to in the natural. But at the end of the day, I am going to believe that there is a God who is greater than any sickness, greater than any situation, can turn anything around for good I mean it's easy to be distracted by the storm around us think about the, uh, the apostle Peter Peter cops so much slack because he's sunk in the water but hey the dude walked on water first you know like give him some slack and you know like he walked on water but the Bible says that he took his eyes off Jesus and onto the storm and the moment that happened, the moment he, he, he took his anchor of faith away from Jesus and into his circumstances, he replaced his faith with fear. And slowly he started to succumb to the thing he was supposed to walk on. The thing is this though, like when you get a report from the bank, when you get a report from your doctor, whatever, it's ink on paper. That's all it is. There's nothing magical about it. There's nothing powerful about it. It is just ink on paper. Yet we choose to put our faith in it. Did you know the Bible? This is just ink on paper. That's all it is. This is just, it's just there's, there's no fairy dust. There is, not, there is no gold dust. There is, it is, I wish, come on. There is, 
it is just ink on paper. Yet one can ruin our day, ruin our year, ruin our, our mindset because we take our faith, we take our confidence and we anchor it in that. I'm not saying ignore it. I'm not saying that you call your bank and say, well, you know what? I'm not paying the bills because I'm trusting Jesus. I'm not saying to do that. Be a good steward, okay? Be faithful in the little things, you know, do life well. But what I'm saying is that we say, I see that report, but I trust the Word of God. I see that report, but there is someone that is bigger and there's someone that is higher. And I believe in 2020, it should be the year where we stop telling God how big our problems are and start telling our problems how big our God is. That I see that sickness, but my God is still a healer. I see that finance report, but my God is still a provider. I see that marriage in that situation or that crisis is in, but my God can reconcile, He can restore, and He can turn things around for His name's sake. They had these 10 spies. Listen to how they concluded their report. They said, we seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. How do they know? Like, how do they know what the giants would think? They didn't walk around with a little iPad with a little report. What do I look like in your eye? Grasshopper, an ant, you know, a monkey. Like, what do I look like? It's like, well, I think you look like a grasshopper. Yeah, yeah, boats in. No, it's a reality in their mind. You ever notice that when you build up a reality in your mind, you reinforce it? Like, it's like you think, well, they, that guy doesn't like me or that person doesn't like me. They're always, you know, talking behind my back. And it's like the person doesn't even know you. <laughs> but we build up this reality, and now we look for any excuse to reinforce that reality. You see, that's why we need each other. We need each other to remind ourselves of what is actually true. To remind ourselves, because every single one of us, we drift. We drift in our faith. We drift in our moment. I mean, this month, this week, thousands of people in Denmark will sign up to the gym. I mean, new year, new me, you know, new decade, this is the year, hashtag selfie. I mean, this is the month. I mean, thousands of people will sign up. And they were, it would last, what, two weeks, three weeks tops? And then they'll be like, oh, you know what, no one's going to see my body anyways. I'll wait till summer. Summer bud, here we go, you know. And then we'll put it off. And the main reason that people don't go back is because they go alone. They have no one to help them. They drift in their convictions. You know, I, I think one of the main reasons that we, we, we gather, it is so we don't drift. We gather so we don't drift. Hebrews 10 says, let us, let us hold on to the hope that we profess because he who promised it is faithful. And let us consider how we may encourage one another towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. We gather so we don't drift. When, if I'm at the beach with my girls and there's a wave or there's, you know, there's a current going on, what we will say to our kids is, before you go and play in the water, you've got to find something on the beach, a fixed point, something that doesn't move. And every few minutes you've got to look up. And you got to make sure you're in line with that. Because this is what happens. You get distracted, you play, you're looking around, and suddenly you look up and you realize, I've drifted. And so you, you, you readjust, you go back again. And then you play, and then you get distracted with life, and you look up. And then you readjust again. That is what church is. 
Church is the place where you readjust. Church is the place where you realign. Church is the place where you just look up, you catch your breath, you check where you are at, you get your bearings again, and you go, am I still on course? Am I still pursuing the dream? Am I still pursuing the convictions? Am I still going after the things that I said I would go after? We gather so we don't drift. I can't remember whether it was Carl Barth or Bonhoeffer that said, that at times Christ in my brother is stronger than Christ in me. Why is that? Well, because we get biased by our own situation. It's like, you know when you get the man flu, which is real. 2020, let's, let's state it, man flu, it's real, okay? Thank you. You know when you, when you get the man flu and you're like, oh, I'm dying. And there's no, and I've, I've got a house full of girls. No sympathy, like none. I look to my kids, none. My wife, like none. So, so what do you do? What do you do? In the, you, you reach out to a brother. So, someone that understands the pain of a man flu. Have I got any witnesses here tonight? Because in those moments when you are fighting a health crisis, which a man flu is, It's hard to believe in God's healing. Let's take it serious. <laughs> Come on. No, but when you're in the middle of a financial crisis, that's not a man flu, that's just something else. When you're in the middle of a financial crisis, it's hard to believe that God can bless you. So you reach out to someone, you reach out to someone that can believe with you. That's why the strong carries the weak. Can I encourage you in 2020, stay in community. Stay in community. Stay at church. Keep coming. So you miss a week or two, keep coming back. You get your bearings. You, you, you find a place where you will not drift, stay in communion. How do you do that? Well, you choose when you're strong who you want to be when you're weak. You choose when you're strong who you want to be when you're weak. There will be weak moments this year. But choose now, January 2020, who are you going to be in March? Who are you going to be in July? Who are you going to be in December? Don't wait for the battle to define you. Don't wait for the weak moments to define you. Choose when you're strong who you're going to be when you're weak. Do you think this community is going to offend you at some point? If we haven't already, I'm surprised. Why? Because there's people here. There is no such thing as a perfect church. The main reason, you and me. We're humans. And wherever there's humans, there's imperfection, which means it's only a matter of time before someone rubs you up the wrong way. Someone says something. Someone disappoints you. Someone doesn't, didn't meet, uh, you know, live up to the expectation. Whatever it is, it will come. It will happen. You will be offended in this church. You will be let down at some point. It will happen because you're around people. My question is, what will you do the day you're offended? What, what's your reaction going to be? Now, I'm not talking about systematic, consistent offense, okay? If that happens, run, blow a whistle, do something, okay? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just life. You know, someone's up here talking about generosity and finances. Uh, why are they talking about money in church? Okay, you're offended. Cool. What are you going to do about that? Because if you're going to stay in community, if you're going to stay with your loyalty, you've actually got to choose when you're strong who you want to be when you're weak. Stay planted. And the one way to see what is in your heart to make sure that there's nothing growing up is to figure out what is in there is to listen to your words. If you want to know what's in someone's heart, just listen to their words. Because the two things about heart, uh, words is that they reflect 
and they create. If you want to see what's in someone's heart, just listen to what they talk about because they reflect. Jesus said this in Luke 6. He said, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. King David, he said in Psalms 45, he says, my heart is stirred by a noble theme. My tongue is the pen of a skillful writer. I mean, you get around someone and you listen. You, you get around Jesper and, and it's only a matter of time before you hear about plants and how to grow things and how to build a greenhouse, which apparently is legal. And he lives in Apple, but whatever. And you know, it's just vegetables, yeah. And you know, you get around some people and all you know immediately you hear about their football. You get around vegans. I mean, if you didn't know before, now you definitely know. I mean, yeah, we get it. You're vegan animals. You know, they've got souls. We get it. Sorry, if you haven't been offended, we're just trying to find you, okay? We're trying to find who we can offend. You know, you, I'm on a keto diet. I don't even know what that is. You know, but whatever is in your heart, it will come out of your mouth because words, they reflect. But more than that, and this is serious, words, they create. Words create. Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death. Those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue has the power of life and death. I mean, you would, I mean, you should have a license to use that thing. The tongue has the power of life and death. The, the question is then, so what kind of fruit are your words producing? When you speak, what if like you consider that every word you spoke was a seed? And every time you spoke, I mean, whatever people you come across, because people come in all shapes and sizes. You will, you will run into someone at work. You might, you know, people might work for you. You might work for someone else. You might have kids, parents, whatever, people in church. You bump into someone in, uh, you know, in, at the supermarket, a cafe. And every time you speak, every time a word leaves my mouth, it's like a seed. Question is... What are we sowing? What is the, what's, the, what's the environment? What's the atmosphere like when you speak? Is it a positive atmosphere or is it a negative atmosphere? Is it like, yeah, we can do this? Or it's like, oh, this is going to be hard. Is it going to be like, I'm so excited about this? Oh. Is it like 2020 is awesome? It's like, oh, another year. Like, what is it? Is it like a tigger? Like, everything is awesome? Or is it like Eeyore? Like, everything is just horrible. You know, like, what kind of atmosphere are you creating when you speak? Think about the 10 spies. They came back with this report. Look at the fruit they created. Numbers 14, verse 1. Look what it says. It says, that night, after listening to the 10 spies, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. It's like... Good job, guys. One job. You know, they come back, they gave a report, and everyone cried themselves, a whole nation cried themselves to sleep. What kind of word, like what kind of fruit are you creating with your words? Words create. The moment you speak, you're creating a reality. The moment you speak, you are creating and shaping someone's future. That's why I'm, I'm super impressed with the t two spies. Because they were around, these 10 negative guys, and you have Joshua and Caleb that managed to keep their faith. 
that managed to like high five each other all the way home going, can you believe we get to do this? Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of a team. Everything is awesome. Woo! Let's go get him. And the other ten's like, oh, we're going to die. You know, I'm so impressed with these two that they stayed faithful to what they had seen. Because words get on you, don't they? Words can get in you. You know, you talk to, you ever talk to someone and it's like after the conversation, you're like, I feel, I feel yuck. You know, you talk to someone and it's like, it's like, they're, they're, it's like ugh, you know, it's like you just had this verbal vomit. Like, it's just like, and it's like they're just waiting for someone that will listen to them. And they're like, and they just, and you're like, and it gets on you, doesn't it? That's why I would encourage you in 2020, be deliberate about who has a voice into your life. Be deliberate who gets to speak into your world, who gets to shape your thinking, who gets to shape the way that you think in your life. This is why you got to be so deliberate, and you got to be careful what I call misguided loyalty. Misguided loyalty. In Denmark, this is not for everyone, but a lot of Danes, we grow up in the little communities, we go to school with the same people, we go to football with the same people, we go on holidays with the same people, then we go to high school with the same people. We go to university with the same people. And then by the time we, we, we settle down, we live just a few hours from everyone we have grown up with. But can I say something? Just because you shared lunch in third grade doesn't mean they have the right to speak into your life in your 30s. Okay, just because you, you, you snapped a fork stung in third grade and you shared that with your BFF in third grade, it does not mean they automatically have a right to speak into your life and shape you in your 30s. You need to make a decision who gets to speak into your life. And you know, you can reject a mindset without rejecting a person. Yeah, you, you, could, you can say, you know what, I love you, but I'm not going to listen to you. I, I love you, but you're not going to have a voice in my life. I, 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 love, I love you, and we can hang out, but you dream too small. You, you think too negatively. You can reject a mindset without rejecting a person. And I would encourage you, develop a Teflon attitude. This will not stick to me. I remember when we said we were going to start Hillsong Church seven years ago. I was sitting with someone. I may or may not be related to them. I'm just going to keep it general. And I said, this is what we're going to do. And we're moving the kids and we're moving across to start church. And this person said to me, Thomas, this is going to be the worst mistake of your life. And I was like, that's nice. Could you print that out so I could like just snuggle up to that on a cold winter night? And he's like, oh, like, I'm, like, like I'm, it's not personal. It's just my opinion. I'm like, well, thank you, <laughs> you know. You know, you got to make a decision that will not stick to me. Teflon attitude, you may speak, but I'm not taking it in. I'm not listening to that. Because people, they, you're, you, when you start dreaming, it starts challenging everyone else who's trying to maintain status quo. You start talking about stepping out of the boat. You start rocking the boat, and everyone's like, oh, it's so safe in here. Can you stop doing that? You start dreaming a little bit bigger, and they start looking at their life and going, ooh, I don't know if I feel comfortable being around a dreamer, because that starts highlighting my lack of them. So they will start to pull you down and start to limit you and limit the way you think. I will say, develop a Teflon at 
water of a duck's back, it will not get into me. You dream. You dream big. You go higher. You aim higher. And you believe for the best for your life. But have friends in your life, though, that you actually give permission to speak into your life. That can notice the themes. You know Psalm 45? Notice the themes. That if suddenly you do start to become negative, you start to become suspicious, you start to become whatever, critical of things, that you've got friends that can go, hey, I've been noticing that the themes of your words seem to be more and more negative. And it's like just someone that can notice, are, are, have you been drifting? Are you drifting away from where you used to be? Because words create. Hebrews 11.3, it says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. The words, the world is framed by the word of God. God created everything. He started this whole process by speaking. He spoke and there was light. He spoke and there was life. Do you know you and I, we are created in the image of God. Is it any wonder that we share part of his nature? Proverbs 18 says that we have the power of life and death in our mouth, in our tongue. Is that, why is that a mystery? We are, we've been created by God in His image. And if God can create life and death by His tongue, so He has given us part of that nature that when we speak, we create. Words, they create. And so, you know, the, the King David, he said it like this in Psalm 141. He must have had an understanding of this. He said, set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep a watch over the door of my lips. He didn't say, I'm not going to listen. No, he said, help me with what I speak. Because the moment I speak, I create. The moment I speak over my kids, I create. Now, we can say things like, oh, I didn't mean it. You know, we have a fit of rage and we say something stupid and we're like, I didn't mean it. No, I know you didn't mean it. And that's awesome but you still spoke it. And there's something that has to be dealt with there because you're creating a future. Oh yeah, but my, my husband, he's just a lazy, you know, that just lies on the couch, watches Manchester United. No, sorry, that got a bit too real. You know, you, know, you, speak, you, sp <laughs> you speak things into being. It's amazing how we say things and, you know, it's just, it's, it's no reflection of the Word of God. And then we speak it and we speak it and then it finally happens. You know, we're like, oh, this year's going to be the worst. It's going to be the worst year. It's like the worst year. I bet you this week's going to be the worst week ever. Like horrible week. It's like the worst week. And then it becomes the worst week. It's like, see? And I'm like, yeah, see? You spoke it. You created it. And you got it. Every, every day I, I drop the girls off at school and I say, hey, girls, today could be the best day of your life. And they're all like, Why? My girls love mornings. Why? I go, why not? Why could today not be the best day of your life? Why don't we choose to line up the, word, uh, the words of our mouth with the Word of God? I wonder, what, what do you speak over yourself? Do you wake up like, oh God, it's morning? Or do you go, good morning, God? What do you do the first day? Like the first moment you look at yourself in the mirror, you're like, oh dear Lord. <laughs> or do you go, oh, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and that my soul knows very, I have, I have been knitted together in my mother's womb. What do you speak over yourself? Does it line up with the Word of God? So before you speak, ask yourself, 
What am I hoping to create with these words? Before you speak, what am I hoping to create? You're about to address something at work. You're about to confront someone. You're about to talk about something, a business opportunity. You're about to talk to a family member. Whatever it is, make that phone call. Before you speak, why don't you just stop and go, hey, what am I hoping to create? What, 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 by the end of this conversation, what fruit do I hope is going to come out of this? And do the words I'm speaking, are they reflective of what I'm hoping to create? What kind of atmosphere? What kind of future? What kind of marriage? What kind of kids? What kind of work? What kind of career? What am I hoping to create? Speak up. Even when things are going down, speak up. Psalm 19, it says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my Lord. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. The thing is this though, the meditation of your heart become the word of your mouth. And the words of your mouth become the meditation of your heart. That's why we encourage everyone so often to say, read your Bible. Meditate on the right things. Because words create. Listen, words, words become thoughts. Thoughts become desire. Desire becomes action. Action become habits, habits become conviction, and convictions shape character. Words create. Words create. You speak it, it becomes a thought. That thought becomes a desire. The desire becomes an action. That action, you do it long enough, it becomes a habit. That habit, you do it long enough, it becomes a conviction. That conviction shapes your character. Words create. So as we start out on 2020, what are you saying about it? What are you saying about yourself? What are you saying about others? What are you saying about church? What are you saying about God? What's in your heart? Because so often what is in our heart comes down to what has been spoken over us. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing. So what have you heard? It's amazing. I'll, I'll invite people to church and they'll be like, I don't know because God, you know, and, and they have this idea that God is like this angry Santa. Like this just, re- like up in heaven, just like ready to smite you. Like, like just to zap you. The moment you do something wrong, it's like, pow, you know, like, just take you out because God is just angry and he's just ready to take people out that do, you know, make mistakes. I'm like, where are you getting this from? I mean, what have you been hearing? Because there is a God who is love. He loves you. So like what, what, what has shaped your thinking? So let me give you three truths, the last three minutes, four minutes. Three truths about God that I hope will shape your thinking in 2020. Number one, God is powerful. God is powerful. That means God is in control. You might go, oh, what does that mean? Like God is in control. It, it, it just means that if you're in the middle of a storm, yeah, you can face the facts and yeah, you can deal with the reality and so you should and so we should. But at the end of the day, your confession should be, hey, but God is above this. God is bigger than this. I see this storm. I see the thing that I'm in right now. But I believe that my God is still in control. Yes, it might be big. Yes, this looks like it could take me out. But I believe that God is with me in the fire. He's with me in the storm. He's with me in the boat. And I will get through this as long as He is in control. God is powerful. Does your confession line up with that? Or is it like, oh, it's raining. Everything is ruined. What? <laughs> did, did rain just like destroy your day? <laughs> like, or can we believe that God is powerful? 
Can we believe that God is above any circumstance that you might be facing today? Come on, don't let temporary seasons cause you to develop a permanent mindset. Come on, God is powerful. Number two, God is love. You gotta remember that God is not just lovely. God doesn't just love you. The Bible says God is love. I have people that say, I don't know about this whole God thing. I'm just into love. I'm like, that's awesome. You keep chasing that. You keep, you keep chasing love. Because sooner or later, you're going to run right into God. Because He is love. God is love. I don't know, when you have this, people have this mindset that God is angry and God is this and God is that. I'm like, have you read your Bible? The Bible says there is nothing that you can do that can separate you from the love of God. The Bible says that as far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed the transgressions and the things, the bad things and the mistakes that we have made. The Bible says that even if I grew out wings and I flew to the far east, there his presence will be waiting for me. Was I to go through a season where it feels like I've made my bed in hell? Even there, his presence is as well. There is nothing in heaven, on earth, under earth that can separate you from the love of God. He loves you. God is love. God is powerful, God is love, and this is my favorite, the third and final. God likes you. Stop it. God likes you. You know, you can love someone without liking them. You know what I'm talking about? Think about Christmas. Think about extended family. It's like you invite them because you love them. You ever had something like a family dinner with extended family and you, look, you just look at that person across the table as they're just gnashing their teeth into the flesh of that fleskistai and you're like, if we were not related, like I don't know if we would hang out, like, like I love you, but you know. What I love about God is that He loves everyone. It's universal. For God so loved the world. He loves everyone. But He likes you. Oh, that's a whole nother level. Likes you. That means, that means he, he, he does things just to put a smile on your face. Like he, he will organize things and he will, he will make, make, make coincidences happen. He will, he will send a shoot. Like when I see a shooting star, I get all jittery. Because for me, that's, that's God blowing me kisses. That's like, oh, come on, you didn't just do that. Stop it. Why? Because I believe there is a God who will orchestrate things just to put a smile on your face. Uh, you know, when you're a new parent and you get a little, you have that little child, a little baby, and before you realize that every time they are awake, they cry, you know, in the beginning, you just stand there and you're besotted. I mean, you stand there and you're looking at the, and you're just looking at them sleep and you're like, oh, look at them. Oh, they look like you. Now they look like you. Oh, they look like both of us. You know? And you're looking at them and you're like, oh, they wake up, they wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. You know, for me, that's how God, He looks at us every night when we sleep. He looks at you and He's like, oh, look at him. He's like, oh, look at that, look at him. It's like, you know, when you first fall in love and you're calling each other and you're like, no, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, 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 you hang up. No, 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 you hang up. No, you, oh, you hung up. One second. You accidentally hung up. Oh, you did it on purpose. Okay. God is looking and he's looking at you and he's like, oh, look at him. He's, wa he's waking up. She's waking up. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Today is the day when I've organized this thing and they're going to see it. I'm going to. 
it's, it's happening. Everybody gather around. Why? He doesn't just love you. He likes you. He likes you. He, lo he loves you, but he likes you as well. The Bible says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. The Bible says he's knitted you together in your mother's womb. The Bible says he has written your name on the palm of his hand. The Bible says he has numbered all the hairs on your head. That doesn't mean he's counted them. That means he's numbered it. So when you accidentally drop a hair, he goes, oh, that's hair 1,522. They just fell out there. Oh, yeah. Oh. He, has, he has, even before you started life, he has counted the days that you're going to be on this planet. He doesn't just love you. He likes you. He's so into you. He's so into you. I wonder, does the way you talk reflect that? Or is it like, oh, you know, let's see. What if you knew that there was a God in heaven who is in control, who is love, and he likes you? How would that change the way you talk? Next time you face a challenge, it's like, I'll be okay. Why? Because in the back of the head, you know, there's a God. He's in control. He loves me, and I'm his favorite. <laughs> oh, you're his favorite too, and you're his favorite, but in my world, I'm his favorite because he likes me. So we walk into it with calm, with an ease, with chill. We're good. God has got this. Why don't we choose if we have thrown our confidence away? Maybe it's time to pick it up again. Because this confidence is not based on self-hype. It's based on God. It's based on there's a God in heaven who's in control, who loves you, and he likes you.